My name is Richard Heisman. Hopefully you can see my screen. Uh, I'm going to share a PowerPoint presentation. It, if you can't see it, that's okay. But I'm interested to make sure that you, if, if you do have a screen up that you can see it. So if I could just get an indication that you can see my screen. Yep. Great. <clears throat> so today taking a look at um, how to or where to find potential grant or research funding opportunities really that's what I'm focused on uh, so just a bit of housekeeping before we start I have a tendency to talk quick so if I do do that and you lose track or I mumble, please let me know and I'll happily stop and go back. If you use the chat box to communicate with me, that's okay, but I might miss it. And I'm quite happy for you to interrupt, turn your audio on if you've got it on mute or leave it open and talk to me straight away and say, I've missed that or ask a question. Even though there are presentations and we are doing a webinar format, it's meant to be quite informal. Um, <clears throat> you should have already been notified when you logged in that this is being recorded just to let you know um, that it is being recorded I'll send out a copy of the the recording once it's done um, you can have a look at it it'll end up on my website and on YouTube so <clears throat> just having a quick look there's nothing in the chat box that means anyone's got any problems great so um, the anything that I show today is public. Like I said, I'm going to put it up on the web. Uh, if you take photos or like any of the content, I'd love if you and you wanted to share it on social media. The main thing that I ask is that you tag me or mention me in it. So if you're on Twitter at Richard Heisman's, LinkedIn, Richard Heisman's, Instagram, Dr. Richard Heisman's, and I've got a PhD a group on Facebook called Beyond Your PhD, which looks at some of these issues as well. Uh, first, a little bit about me. Um, I essentially, I'm a career coach um, and I started out life as a, a wet lab researcher. I did a PhD at Monash University and then I exchanged my lab coat for a suit coat. Um, I'm just going to mute. There seems like there's a bit of noise on someone. Yeah, cool. Thank you. Uh, so I then basically went from working as a researcher to working, helping researchers. And now essentially what I do is help people who have got a PhD or who are getting a PhD answer the question of what next. And that looks different to different people. For some people, I could help them write a proposal. For other people, I could help them get money. Um, but ultimately what it is, is, from my perspective anyway, is helping my clients understand what they want to say and helping my clients find out who might be interested in what they have to say. I'm keen to know from you all, um, what are the, some of the things that you do? Not everyone has to share, but if everyone wants to share, we can do that. Um, yeah, I'd love to know, hear from you what it is that, that you do and what are you hoping to find out today? No one wants to share. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm happy to share. So Thanks, I'm Kate. Um, I work part-time and I'm doing my PhD part-time. Yes. Um, 
I'm doing I'm doing the my study without any financial support at all. So right. um, I am interested in case you, I don't know, give me the golden idea that <laughs> makes me find somewhere to hunt. Um, although my topic is about science and people like you and your lab coach, um, it, the PhD has fallen into social science, which is foreign territory to me. So right. it's possible that I just can't find the funding sources because I don't know where to look. I'd know where I could look if I, if I were looking for proper science. Um, so anyway, we'll see. No problem. We'll see. Yeah. Thanks, Kate. Does anyone else want to share why they're here, what they're interested in? Um, I will. Um, it's Tana Arkham Federation University. I actually work in the Central Research Office. Yes. Um, and so support um, academic staff, PhDs, all that sort of stuff with sourcing and applying for funding sort of stuff. So, yeah, just looking at tips and tricks, you know, funding sources, particularly for PhD students. Yeah. Sure. I, I one say I'd say one thing, Tina. I reckon a lot of people might come to you at the end of this because I do feel that the research office is a great source of information on where to get research funding. Um, for those of you who don't know Tina, and I think on this webinar there are a lot of people from Fed Uni. If you don't know Tina or about her office, um, take down that name and make sure you chase her up at the end of this because she might be able to help you. Certainly, show you where the resources are from a Fed Uni perspective. Thanks, Richard. Yeah. Definitely. Is there anyone else that would like to share? Yeah, I will, Richard. Hi, I'm Sharon. Um, hi, Sharon. I'm, hi, I'm also from Fed Uni. I'm um, doing a part-time PhD, very similar to Catherine in that I'm um, in the social sciences, but um, I'm a nurse and doing it part-time and no funding at all. So I'm looking at yep. it from, um, you know, and I've chosen to do that just simply to work and um, study at the same time. Yes. Because the full-time option with the scholarship just isn't enough money. So, um, <laughs> so I'm looking to my world, Sharon. Yes, I know. <laughs> and yeah, as a mature age student myself, I'm not, I'm not a, a young science student. So, um, you know, you've got other responsibilities, so it's just not enough money. So I'm looking at, um, what options can help support me. Sure. Okay. Hopefully I can give you some places to go and look. Um, I'm certain that I won't be able to give you the answer. Sorry, Sharon and, and um, Kate for that, but I definitely think I can put you on the right path and I'm happy to be corrected, but I believe you should be able to hold a part-time scholarship and hold a job. But um, if someone on the call definitively knows the answer to that, I'm happy to be corrected. We can't at Fed Uni. Right. Okay. Right. Yes, that's right. Right. Okay. So it's the, no problem. Okay. So you can't do that at Fed Uni. No problem. All right. So um, moving on. So today what we're going to look at, I'll do a quick intro to the grant writing process. Uh, and there was another webinar about this. So if you want some more detail on that, you can get that from my website. Um, and then I'll get into where you might find some opportunities and then we can talk about some of the issues that people face and perhaps solve some of them on the call uh, and we can go from there. So obviously there are what I would consider grants and tenders and they're not the same and hopefully this picture um, portrays that grants and tenders aren't the same. And so from my experience, the difference 
comes in all manner of areas. It can come from the length, whether there's restrictions to words, um, whether you have a template or not, um, whether the assessment criteria are, are clear or not. Some tenders have really unclear assessment criteria or the criteria can be vague. Um, application timeframes uh, tend to be shorter for, tender, for tenders rather compared to grants. Um, you can always expect to write a, a report at the end of a tender, whereas with a grant, you might not have to write a report. Um, tenders always need outcomes. Research grants don't need to have specific outcomes. Everything needs to lead to something, but not always what you necessarily set out to do. Grants are far generally more flexible than tenders, but not always. Um, so there are some differences in terms of when you go for these kinds of things, you need to be aware of what you might be in for um, because a lot of people start out looking at tenders as an opportunity to get funding for their work. And they realize that there's a lot more work in a tender than they had envisaged because they'd only to that point had grants. For the most part, funding is a two way street. So you've either got money to do work or you're doing work in order to get money. Um, so, uh, but basically they're the two reasons that I see that people want to um, get funding. I'm happy for someone to tell me there's another reason, but as yet I haven't really seen one. In terms of the process itself for writing a grant or a tender, um, basically you can do it when you find the application or you can do it in advance. There's no real right or wrong way other than to know that, as I said before, sometimes short timeframes for application can mean if you have one that you've prepared earlier, you can get through a lot more than if you're writing in response to each grant that comes across your desk. You can expect for most grants and tenders to cover off these four things. So why this project, why me or why the team, what we, what you want to do and how you're going to do it. And so then you might expect that you might write some of these sections up in advance or certainly have an idea of how you might do these four things or how you might respond to these four things, depending on who the audience is. And then there's a whole bunch of other things that you can expect to write about, but may not be necessarily required in the grant or in the tender. So there's a, there's communication, obviously scope. Um, you might have to have stakeholder management. You might have to talk about how, how your work is integrated into the other work. You're probably going to have to cover off quality You'll definitely have to talk about the people and finance. So you might even think about budgets in advance as well. You'll probably need to talk about the resources that you have access to or that you'll need. Um, and for most things, you'll need to talk about time. And in most instances, you'll need to talk about risk. So you could even develop a small amount of information for each of these sections in advance as well, which then, like I said, that'll allow you to progress through early iterations of draft applications quicker. And that's the advantage. So the more drafts that you can write generally, the closer you'll get to a high quality application. In terms of your grant writing success, so if we think about those four sections that I talked about before, why this project, why me and us, what we're doing and how we're doing it, generally people go through that and they review it as they go, then do a compliance check and they submit it. But from my experience, you can increase your chances of success um, by doing a few other things. So the first thing is to really know the funding rules. So if you're going for a grant or a tender, make sure you're aware of the funding rules. I've seen in many times and in many cases, people assume that the funding rules are the same from year to year and from tender to tender. And they often are similar, but they're not exactly the same. And if you're not aware of the funding rules, 
you can write a whole lot of stuff that is non-compliant with simple things like fonts, layouts, um, the size of the application. And that, that just means you spent waste time cutting everything down. The next thing you can do is make sure that your application is compliant as you're developing it. Again, there's no point developing a 12 page application when the rules now state it can only be 10 pages. Cause then you've got to cut down the whole thing by two pages, which is a real pain. So if you know what the rules are and you're applying that as you go, you're more likely to be successful. And again, you'll get through more iterations of your application before the deadline. This number three is non-expert review. And I would say this is the biggest thing. And this is one of the reasons why I'm probably quite successful in supporting other people write grants. Cause for the most part, I'm not an expert in, in what they're writing about. So if you can find a non-expert to review your application before you submit it, that will really help. It'll help get rid of jargon. It'll help get rid of assumed knowledge. It'll make it easier to understand because if you can convince or at least communicate with a person who doesn't understand your work, uh, you'll be much um, have a much better chance of convincing people who are assessing your work. And in many cases, the assessors of the grants and the, and the tenders are not experts. Like the reason that they're hiring you or the reason why you're applying is because you are the expert. And finally, don't be afraid to resubmit applications. Um, and that doesn't mean that they get resubmitted essentially unchanged, but it does mean that if we think about the idea of writing in advance, a previous application may be the foundation for your next application. So, so don't be afraid to resubmit applications that haven't been funded previously. Okay, so where do we find some of these opportunities? I guess the first thing to note is that most grants are based on policy somewhere. So even if you think about things like ARC and NHMRC grants, they're actually based on policy. So the first thing to be aware of is the kind of policies that might lead to grants. And so policies can be created at any level of any organization or any institution. So essentially grants are everywhere. Um, so if we start local, if we start at your university, so like I said, I was aware that a lot of you are from Federation University. So if you haven't seen this page of your website, make sure you're aware of it. And if you scroll down quickly here, you can see that there's um, five different sections that Federation is um, they've already got an online research database and we'll talk about aggregators. Is anyone linked into any of these things at FedUni or is anyone not in integrated or aware of this site, this page? Everyone's aware? Yep. Can I, can I just interrupt FedUni yep. Fed um, research services person? Uh, anybody who's not aware of that, feel free to contact us and we can help get this on up. Yeah. And so this is probably the one of the easiest ways to be aware of funding opportunities is to look on your university website. And so Federation Uni obviously isn't the only one that has these kinds of resources. I did a quick search for Monash University and you'll find something similar. And the, I'm not a member of Monash or a member of Federation University, so I can't get behind the data walls that exist. But So this website, this screenshot you can see, is direct from the Monash University website. So if you're not finding what you're after at your university, don't be afraid to Google search other universities and the resources that they provide. You might not be able to click through to getting their, their notifications and their warnings, but present information that makes it more accessible and more aware to you. 
So if you're unclear of what you might be able to find at one place, don't be afraid to look elsewhere. So that's local to your university. So for PhD students, um, there should be scholarships, but clearly not for part-time PhD students. There might be small grants around travel grants, et cetera. Um, and again, those kinds of travel grants that you get, I, I don't know whether the eligibility criteria will rule out part-time students. Um, maybe Tina can say whether they do or don't by default for Fed Uni. Um, I'll just put my hand up and say I'm actually not in the um, postgrad space as far as okay. Sure. We can all look into that with people in contact. Yeah. So certainly, um, I definitely know at multiple universities, but I haven't been able to see directly from Fed Uni is whether there are travel grants for HDRs, but there definitely are travel grants and small grants for higher degree research students at both the department and the school and the faculty level at places like Monash and Melbourne universities. And so you, although you might not get support to actually do your research, you might get some support to fund um, traveling and promoting it or um, some support to go and collect some other data for your research. So who else can provide opportunities to fund your research? So there's obviously local councils. So depending on where you are and what you're interested in, your local council might be interested in the work that you're doing. There are community grants to conduct research projects to collect small amounts of information. These aren't large grants, don't get me wrong, but because you're mentioning that you're PhD students, these might be some places to go. I know that the city of Monash has had in the past awards and grants for people doing small pieces of work within the city of Monash. So for example, they have been willing to fund small projects that look into the history of the city of Monash, which may well fall into someone's PhD project. So there, there might be other small grants out there that are similar to that as well. Don't rule out municipalities that aren't necessarily in the area that you live obviously the ones that you live are going to be the most convenient and the ones that are more likely to fund your activity. So if we think about the next level up, we're thinking about the state government and they have a large number of grants that are available for conducting research. If we think back to where I started from with the idea of what is the policy. So most of the government grants uh, focus on community um, on economic development or community development so they might not necessarily be interested in your, your work per se, but they might be interested in economic development. So if your work can lead to increased jobs or increased funding into the state or into the region, then maybe they'll be interested in funding you. So don't always think about when you're applying for funding that it is purely about the data that you're collecting. It could be about the economic or other benefits that the community um, might receive. So this, if you do a Google search for Victorian grants, you'll get this website. Um, and as you can see, the first three just happen to be closed, but there's a large number of grants that, that, the, that the Victorian government curates. If you are looking for industry partners or you have industry partners who are unable to fund you but are happy to provide in-kind support, so that might be, for example, access to cohorts, you might be able to find a business grant that your industry partner might be able to apply for that then might result in you getting funding as a researcher through that business. So, um, being aware of small business and other business grants might actually help you get access to funding as a researcher. There's also tenders. So tenders obviously won't help you with your specific PhD program, but they might help you with the kind of work that you're doing. So 
all states have some kind of tendering website. This is the New South Wales tendering website. You can register to be a member of this for free. You can set up search and search terms for this, expertise areas, etc. You can let them know what you're interested in, in applying for. Um, and obviously you can get their notifications on a regular basis for tenders that meet your criteria. Um, and in terms of funding for tenders, your university will probably have a specific um, uh, requirement about the way you respond as a researcher to these. So just be mindful of that, that you might be contravening university rules if you apply in the wrong way. But nonetheless, you can still get notifications of tenders and your research office or your commercialization office should be able to provide you with the best advice on how to apply in a compliant way from a university perspective. Obviously, there are Victorian tenders as well. Uh, so this is the Victorian tender website. You can, Victorian, I've, um, there are lots of researchers that have been successful at Victorian tenders, so it's worth registering for this. The benefit of applying for tenders is not just that you will necessarily get application, uh, opportunities to apply for funding, but the people who are reviewing the tenders and the tender panels then become aware of you as a person with expertise in this area and they might approach you directly in the future. So don't rule out applying for these simply because you're um, not necessarily in the, best in the best person to do the work. It's, it is about awareness raising as well. Are there any questions or comments at this point? No. So obviously the next level up after your individual state is to look at the national level. Um, I'm sure you're all aware of NHMRC and the ARC, <clears throat> but there are also business growth grants. And again, if there are lots of grants that support businesses to interact with universities. So Victoria has got a plan like that. And there are some national plans like that as well. Again, they're specific to specific areas. There's lots in STEM, lots in engineering in particular, but there are other ones that you can apply for that allow um, uh, entrepreneurs in particular to go to universities for say some of their, um, some of their business development activities. So they're doing research into whether the product is or isn't needed. And they're worth checking out again, that just allows you to approach a business and say, I can help you. And here's how you could potentially um, get funding with me or through me. Again, there are national tenders as well. Um, again, you know, make sure you comply with your university's requirement, but you can set up your own Oz tender page these are quite useful. Again, you'll get some quite large projects that uh, span the um, Australian landscape, not just ones that are specific to states. Again, that can be quite good positioning to apply for um, and an opportunity to fund some of your work or some of the work that you'd like to do. The Australian government also has an aggregating platform, um, which is called Grant uh, Connect. And as you can see from this screenshot, it includes um, NHMRC and ARC information in there as well. So this might be a good way of aggregating all of the opportunities that you might think are relevant to you if you're not necessarily satisfied or th with the way that your university provides the aggregation tool. Again, you can create your own profile, get notifications, etc., cetera, um, for these opportunities. Sometimes these are good to have because when there are special calls, 
that might go through, say, NHMRC that um, you might miss. It's useful to have. The only, um, I guess, caveat that I would put on all of these aggregators is they can fill your inbox. And if you're not in the, the habit of, um, of checking those things, you can overlook them and feel like you weren't notified when in actual fact you were. You just have not paid sufficient attention often enough. There are other commercial aggregators and they do other things besides aggregate. So we've got Grant Guru, which provides not just a notification service, but they help with a strategy and a, and a, um, and a writing service as well. Um, and same with the Grants Hub, they do a similar kind of thing. Um, government of the Grant Guru service has over 4,000 grants. You can see at the bottom left there, that's quite a good service. Um, their service is so good, in fact, that I believe the government went to them and said, can you tell us about what grants we have on offer? Lots of local councils are using Grant Guru as a way of working out what else is in the landscape before they put out something that might overlap with something that already exists. Finally, I guess we've got the international approach and there's not a massive amount of opportunity unless you've got um, things like international collaborators. There are some international grants that support the translation of Australian activities into other countries, particularly China and India. <clears throat> and those, those kinds of grants you can find through your research office or if you go on to say um, the various commercial um, business websites for um, Australia. And obviously there, if you can solve an international problem, then you might get international grants as well. So there are some grants from Australian agencies such as Austrade um, and Ausinvest where they look to um, support international countries and developing countries. Uh, and so you might be able to help with international problems. So don't think about your research as just being related to Australia. The final thing that I um, recommend or you should think about is creating your own funding opportunity. So that might be where someone funds you directly to do a piece of work for them or a piece of research for them. Um, so when I talk about this kind of work, I use this model from Jane Anderson. And so as an academic, you're probably doing all of these things at the, at the uh, most of these things at the moment, but from an academic perspective, but if you want some potential industry funding, it's worth considering whether or not you do this to a non-academic audience. Um, and so the major tool that I would suggest using is LinkedIn and disclosure there, Jane, who's the lady on the left of screen, she, uh, her and I created a program to help people use LinkedIn to get industry funding. And that program is available for free if you want it. Um, and I've also written a book, which I'm happy to send you um, as well around trying to get industry funding or industry collaborators. The main thing that you'll need to do if you're looking to make connections with industry is to keep in touch with them. Like you might with grants, you've got to keep up with who's interested in what they're interested in. Um, there's lots of ways of doing this. I find LinkedIn is the easiest way and the cheapest way, but you can you know, keep track of people on your social media. You can have newsletters. You can have customer relationship management tools, which is what Salesforce, Zoho, and Insightly all are. Like anything, action is the key to success. So I guess if you want funding for your research, you need to go and look for it and then you need to apply. Um, 
it's one thing to apply when you don't have any chance of success, but it's another thing not to apply at all. And so I encourage you all to think about what you could apply for and how you might do it. And if you don't find, or if you don't think there are any grant opportunities, then my recommendation is to try and get an industry partner and create some for yourself. Obviously that's a very quick run through of where you might find stuff and how you might get it. Um, to know if, if this all seems overwhelming to you, um, some of the things that I think you can do to um, perhaps overcome some of that overwhelm is to make a decision on what your goals are. So what do you want to get funding for? I think one of the big mistakes we can make is we want funding for our entire projects when we could potentially get funding for part of that. So know what your goals are. The other thing, unfortunately, with grants is that if I'm successful in, in some cases, my, you know, my colleagues are potentially not. And this can create a bit of a competitive environment that isn't necessarily always uh, helpful. So just be mindful if you're approaching other colleagues for advice on grant writing. Not that they'll give you the wrong advice, but sometimes it can be really hard to get the advice you need because your success may result in their failure. And if you think about grants such as NHMRC and ARC, there's only a certain number that get funded. Um, and thus, if you get funded, it re- it's, you know, the, the math says that someone else won't. Um, that's enough for me. I'd love to know from you, what are the problems you face? Has anyone tried any of these things? What kinds of things um, or what kinds of approaches have you tried? What do you think has worked for you? What hasn't worked for you? Um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you all now. No questions. Hi, Richard. I have a question. This is Shemut yep. from Monash. Um, I so uh, I recently was looking into applying one of the short, small grants available in the university. Uh, yes. But it requires a little bit of work, not that, as much work as Degra, but I felt very much overwhelmed about when to start, how long should I allocate the time, and what should be the time distribution and all of that. You for have- the project or for the application? For the application of the grant. So it was a small seed grant. Yes. Uh, for, like, I think $10,000 or $20,000. Yes. But, uh, it, so you have to write like maybe five or 10 pages altogether, uh, justifying yes. your CV or the collaborators and yeah. what you are asking for. But because I have never written a grant, it seemed like an overwhelming task to me and I didn't know where to start and how to plan it. Yeah, sure. Um. My advice would be to just start at the beginning. So waiting and not doing anything will mean that you'll get, you'll get nothing written. Um, And then if you've seen, wherever you've seen the grant posted, so let's say it was by the research office, then go to them and say to them, are there any examples of successful applications that they could share with you or have a chat to them about the kinds of thing that they're looking for. But ultimately, the longer you leave it to start writing your application, the more you'll have to do in the shorter space of time. So um, my advice would be to make a start. And obviously, with all of these things, as long as you haven't submitted, there's always an opportunity to make a change to it Um, and fill out what you think you know immediately that you don't have to fill out the form in the order that it's presented to you. You can skip around the document and fill out what makes sense to you immediately and then come back to the bits that seem uh, more difficult. Thank you. Are there any other questions? 
Has anyone tried, look, has anyone got tenders or things, Tina? Oh, sorry, I was just going to make a comment. Thank you for that, Richard. That was really, really useful. Um, just what you said there about starting early, don't know, absolutely. As well as what you said previously about future funding was real, really important. You need to guide one's funding. Yeah. I'm writing lots of pages of stuff that seem to be non compliant and that sort of thing. Yes. And non experts to read um, all of your stuff. It might make a lot of sense to you, but may not to you. Yeah. When he was out at the mine yesterday. Uh, yeah, so that, that's really good. Thanks very much. Yeah. For that, no problem. Has anyone tried to or register for tenders and whatnot? Uh, no. I, I was just going to say to you, uh, I've never heard of Grant Guru or the Grants Hub, so thank you for okay. that. No, no problem. I, I mean, I, I used to know about Jason when that was around, but that's not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Good resource, thank you. No problem. Certainly, uh, there have been times when I've helped researchers and we've spent a lot of time looking at various tenders. Uh, my experience has been uh, that registering for tender sites has been more effective than waiting for the university to notify you that you might be eligible or you, a tender might be useful for you. Even though universities, the central resource might be in receipt of some of that advice, not everyone knows what you're an expert in or what you're willing to do. And so as a result, keeping an eye on the tender sites is probably a useful thing for you to do. And then use an aggregator for things like um, the competitive grants, the NHMRC and the ARC kinds of grants. There's way more than that. There's, if you look at on the ANZ philanthropy website, there's the Helen McPherson Smith Trust, which has a lot. There's, um, there's grants available through um, health funds. So I know that um, in the past, uh, GMHBA have run grants, Bupa have run health kinds of grants. So those, they're potential sources of grant funding as well. Can I make another comment there too? Yeah, go for it. Uh, certainly for those who are developing grants on where to start and trying to finesse what goes into an application. Um, I think you've mentioned this earlier, it's useful to read other successful applications or even even draft applications that other people have done so you get a bit of an understanding of what's required, how to structure your, yeah. your argument and, and your the, the research that you're proposing to do. And again, yeah. you need to just think about the person who's receiving the application, which goes back, I think, to the very first slide or something, is what do they want, not what is it you want to do. Yeah, exactly right. Certainly, if you have a listen to the webinar, we talked about um, grant writing. One of the best things I think you can do to become a better grant writer is to read more grants. And if you, uh, if you go to people like Tina and say, can I read some grants as part of a grant review process for the university, you'll very quickly learn what is a good and 
what is not a, such a good grant application, particularly when it comes to using jargon, particularly when it comes to in, trying to engage your audience, things like that you probably as a researcher might overlook or think aren't of high value, like layout, typography, white space, all of those things suddenly make good grants and bad grants um, starkly different. So certainly if you're not sure what grants to write, I would definitely volunteer to read some grants. Um, and I'd do it via your research office or via your faculty or via your department, not just by approaching your colleagues in research because um, you really need to try and get out of your comfort zone of reading grants that you're an expert in or that you think you know the field in because reading grants that whose field you're unaware of will help improve your grant writing, I think, uh, more quickly than reading grants just in your field. And great suggestion from, from you, Richard, about having the non-expert review. It just, it's such good advice because you get too close to your subject and you yes. don't realise that other people don't understand what you're talking about. So I have been on the other side as well. So, I, I confirm that is really, really helpful. <clears throat> Thanks, Kate. Are there any other questions? No. So, okay, so we can finish up early. That's fine by me. Um, so in terms of the problems, I think we've been through a few of those. Obviously, if you have any problems with grant writing or finding grants, feel free to reach out to me and I can do my best to help make introductions and or help you find some grants. In terms of what's coming next, right after this today, I, last week I ran a webinar on industry engagement, but I didn't record it very well. So I'm going to rerun that essentially on my own. But if you're interested in uh, that particular webinar or participating, uh, let me know right now and I can send you the link so you can be online for that if that would interest you. We'll go through um, how to find industry partners particularly um, and some of the approaches and break down that other slide I showed you that from Jane Anderson about engaging with industry other than right now or immediately after this, there's a few other things coming up. So we'll look at Twitter in a couple of weeks. We'll look at CV writing in the middle of August. Then in late August, we'll look at approaches to writing, uh, whatever it is that you might want to write. Um, and uh, in late August, we'll look at um, how to identify potential partners from an industry engagement perspective. And we'll do a bit more of a deep dive into that than compared to what I'll run in a second. And obviously, if you've enjoyed this, I'd love if you signed up to my newsletter. Um, it's not always weekly. Um, certainly I write every week, but not everything is will be related to the kinds of things that you're interested in and you've got the opportunity to opt in and opt out of various topics. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me on any, any of these social media platforms, I'd love if you could. If you did, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, email, obviously, you can give me a call um, and or check out my website where this information will be stored.
Thanks everyone for your time. I appreciate you giving up your lunchtime to attend. I hope you found it valuable. And like I said, I'll be in touch by email with uh, the link to this webinar. Thanks heaps. Thanks Richard. That's fabulous. You're welcome.